0: Welcome to the Secret to My Success show. Our guests will inspire, educate, and motivate our listeners who own a business or dream about being a business owner. Today's guests will share their stories and the secrets to their success. They have valuable insight with what they went through to start and grow their business. They will share the good, the bad, and the ugly. I promise it will be fun and valuable. Later in the show, former Major League Baseball player Luis Aliseo will be here talking to former celebrities and athletes about their transition from fame to being hands-on business owners. My name is Alan Bornstein. And I'm George Cruz. I'm kind of like the
1: sidekick, but I'm better looking, younger, and funnier than Alan. Anyways, Alan and I will be with you throughout today's show, getting insightful information. We believe you can learn from the successes and failures of today's guests. Each has unique and insightful experiences. This is the MBA program for those that graduated from the School of Hard Work and want to excel as business owners.
0: Good morning. This is Alan and George with Secrets to My Success, and we have another fantastic guest, Frank Ramos. He is an attorney, which is not usually what we bring, but he's this really cool attorney that has learned how to use social media and a lot of these other different platforms to grow his business. So we've invited Frank to be on our show to be frank. Frank, Frank. <laughs> welcome. Thanks so much for having me. We are so glad that you're here. So, Frank, tell us a little bit about yourself first, where you're from. Sure. I'm from Miami. I work at a small litigation
2: boutique firm here in Miami called Large Silvered Light. Been here 23 of my 24 years of practice, and I do a mix of commercial products, liability, and personal injury, mostly on the defense side. Okay.
0: I believe that no matter what business you're in, you could be a chiropractor, a lawyer, you could be a dentist. The fact of the matter is, if you don't have people coming to you to use your services, you're really not a whole lot of anything. And you have a lot of competition in your field down here in South Florida. Especially in Miami. Billboards, advertising, TV, radio, there's all kinds of stuff. And you've differentiated yourself and your firm how? I
2: think I've done that through social media, through free media through primarily LinkedIn. And for those people who are in the business space, whether they're lawyers or doctors or accountants, other professionals are in that space and they're in droves, particularly due to COVID-19 and trying to find ways to network with one another when most of us are still socially distancing. A lot of events have been canceled or postponed. And I've doubled down on LinkedIn over the last two years, and I've grown my following there from about
3: 2,500
2: to about 60,000-plus now. And I find it a great place to generate revenue and content and the following and to get people to get to know me, trust me, and like me, and give me a call when they have a matter in my neck of the woods in an area that I practice in. I have a question, Frank. So
1: one of my favorite things about attorneys and lawyers and anybody in practicing law is that every time they advertise, they always have some sort of catchy jingle. Tomorrow's my birthday, by the way, so I turned twenty five and I can still remember oh, happy birthday. when I turned when I turned uh, when I was around ten years old, eleven years old, I was living in Las Vegas and I still remember the catchy jingle from the time of hearing on the commercial. It was uh, I don't remember the lawyer's name, but I could just remember his jingle, his phone number, if I ever need it. Eight seven seven one five zero zero. I still remember all of that. Do you have a catchy jingle?
2: (laughs) I do not, but I think uh, my tagline is Miami Mentor, and so I have my own website with that uh, domain name. And I've come to be known as somebody that young lawyers and other professionals can rely upon. And I've developed a relationship with lots of lawyers who feel like I've given them something, so they want to give me something in return. We create sort of a social contract on social media where. We give away free content, and there's always going to be some subset of the people who follow and listen and read what we do that feel that they need to give us something in return. Um, So I guess if I have a catchphrase, I guess people know me as someone who's willing to help and connect and bring people together and provide them uh, free resources on my website, manumentor.com. And that allows uh, and creates a segue uh, to actually get business that way.
0: I'm a big believer in networking. I used to be an old dinosaur. And I had a guy come to work for me, and I told him to take the phone and rub it up against his ear and become, become good friends with it. And he told me he wanted to join networking groups. I'm like, really? You lousy bum. You just want me buying you breakfast and lunch. You take that phone, you rub it up against your ear, or I will beat you with it. (laughs) <laughs> and here I have become this king of networking for my business and promote it for a whole lot of people. In fact, we got to you through a friend of mine named Peter Layton, who said all kinds of wonderful things about you. And if I'm the king, then he is the, I don't want to say the God, but there's got to be a level above that. He's amazing. <laughs> and what I find is in most of these networking groups, all of you lawyers stick together. Like you don't need any of us, you guys refer so much business between lawyers. For you to grow. Tell us your thoughts on that and your ideas of networking outside of social media.
2: Yeah, that's a great observation. I think lawyers refer business to other lawyers. Often, I will get calls from individuals who just know me from my social media presence. And since they don't know that much about me, they'll refer me a matter that's outside my area of specialty. And I'll ultimately have to refer that to another lawyer. And that happens a lot, you know, lawyer to lawyer referrals. Uh, I think most of my business comes from other lawyers through voluntary bar associations. But beyond that, I think, you know, again, whatever uh, field you're in, you want to find one or more organizations where your potential clients are. For me, it's other lawyers. For you, it might be doctors or accountants or wealth managers or whoever it is. See where where they hang out. See what organizations they belong to. See what seminars they attend, what books they read, and get in that space and be in that space with them.
0: Are you involved in any not-for-profits that it's a good cause, but it also gives you introductions to other people in business?
2: Yeah, that's a great example. I've done that off and on over the years. Currently, I'm not. I've been involved with Parents of Parent of Miami, which is a nonprofit for parents who have children's special needs. I've been on various alumni bar associations. I served on my son's school board. It was a private uh, high school, middle school, and I served on there for several years. Um, find what you're passionate about. Uh, join that organization. Get a leadership role. Get in front of people. And that way, you get to do good and, and uh, get some benefit along the way.
0: I think the advice that you can offer to any new lawyer would probably be about the same to anybody new in the business. What recommendations would you have for our younger listeners or even older listeners that are just transitioning from working for the person that they hate and they want to go do it on their own to get them started? (laughs) Asking
2: for a friend. I, I think it really comes down to relationships. I think people refer cases to those that they know, like, and trust, and it's you know, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're good at business. You mentioned this earlier. It's more than just being good at your field of uh, expertise, your industry. People have to know that you're good, and they have to like and trust you to give you the work. And that only comes with relationships that take time. And social media is sort of a segue, but what I haven't mentioned is that, uh, yeah, people follow me on social media, but then what I do is I follow up and I try to meet with them for coffee or I go out for a drink or something and then lay the foundation, and we have a real personal relationship. And what social media does is it keeps me front of mind for them. But without that personal relationship, work generally doesn't come my way.
0: I have a 25 year old daughter about 15 years ago. They met this couple of guys running around through uh, Boston, Massachusetts with their shirts off and they thought it was funny. And somehow they connected on Facebook. And it seems now that our young folks have the ability to connect to anybody that they meet once and continue to keep them in their lives. And the one thing that I found is a lot of younger kids don't know much about LinkedIn like LinkedIn is the last thing that they need to understand. So how do we get young people that are on Facebook into LinkedIn so they can understand, you know, the old saying, never go to the bank when you need money, never go to the funeral home when somebody's dead.
2: When you need to make
0: connections, you you need to have that stuff readily available.
2: Yeah. I think LinkedIn is sort of your online resume to the world and your online CV to the world. And that's what it started and still, serves very much that purpose, and if, you know wherever you are in your career, if you're still in school, uh, I recommend you take a long and hard look at your profile and augment it and complete it and, and put as much detail as you can there. As the people will find you there because of the algorithm. They're more likely to find you through LinkedIn than they are through most other sources, even through your own website. If you have a company website, often they'll find you on LinkedIn before they find your company website, just the way uh, they put information out there and how Google does its searches. Um, so I, you know, I strongly recommend, and I, you know, I'd recommend to your listeners, and recommend that they talk to their sons and daughters to get them on the platform, have them engage. You know, actually, the younger you are, the more uh, akin and familiar you are with social media and how to use it, and how to use technology, and it's really worthwhile.
0: Excellent. Well,
1: Frank, we're running out of time, so one of the last things we want to uh, ask you is. Um, If anybody wanted to reach out to you and connect, where can they find you?
0: Hold on. Before you answer that, Frank, I'm going to give you another 20 seconds. I'd like you to give us your soapbox speech. There's all kinds of lawyers all over South Florida. Tell us what's going to separate you and how people can reach you.
2: I think what separates you is that you have to find your niche, develop it, and let the world know what it is. And so on parallel tracks, one hand, become an expert at something, and two, let the world know that you're an expert at something, vis-a-vis LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you feel comfortable with.
0: Tell us your area of expertise.
2: I do a mix of personal injury defense, products and personal injury, and I also do commercial litigation both in the plaintiff and defense side.
0: Fantastic. And how would our listeners reach you?
2: You know, the best thing to do if you want to go to my website, MiamiMentor.com, you can fill out a form and reach me or if you want to just visit to my website, Clark Silverblade, But you'll find that I have about 20 books, dozens of videos and articles and a bunch of stuff there that not only is useful for the lawyers, but for other professionals.
0: Frank, thank you for being so frank with us. We appreciate <laughs> everything you've had to say. I think you've offered quite a bit of information for our listeners, and we are so glad that you were able to join us.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for being on the show, Frank.
4: Hi. Hi. Or Landing Financial Group. If potential tax increases in the future have been a concern of yours and you haven't done any real tax planning, I urge you to go to planwithlanding.com and download our complimentary guide Are You Paying Too Much Tax in Retirement? Or you can always call us at 561 229 0009. Again, that's planwithlanding.com. Landing Financial Group provides insurance services, investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through A Wealth Management LLC.
3: Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today.
5: Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Workgroup Payroll. We love small business. From one part-time employee to 300, we want to be your payroll partner. If you have questions about employment taxes, PPP forgiveness, or employee retention credits, we can help. Your business can be getting up to $5,000 per employee for 2020 and $7,000 per employee per quarter for 2021. Let's talk about how that works for your business. Call 561-953-2007. Would you rather get better service and pay less? or less service and pay far more. It really will take less than 10 minutes to save over 20% switching to workgroup payroll. We make switching easy. Get the service you deserve, the price you like. If you are using a large national payroll service, we want to help you. Call 561-953-2007.
0: Rick Seymour, CEO of CSI Palm Beach. I'm gonna say that one more time. Rick Seymour, CSI Palm Beach CEO. Rick, thank you for being here with us today. My pleasure, Alan. We are excited to learn more about you and your business. So let's talk, let's bring it all out. Is this your first business? No. What have you done
6: in the past? Uh, I've been everything from uh, an electrical engineer with Florida Power and Light to a music salesman with Muzak, and now
0: CSI Palm Beach. You went from Muzak to CSI Palm Beach directly? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now that's an interesting transition.
6: Well, remember, speakers hang on wires, and so do cameras, and the contacts for alarm systems. True. I was thinking more about putting people to sleep and then <laughs> protecting them while
0: they are asleep. Well, it's all about creating some kind of an experience. Excellent. <laughs> so tell us your motivation of going from a Muzak to CSI Palm Beach. Well, actually, Muzak taught me
6: recurring revenue. And, uh, and that's why when we sold the Muzak franchise and I was looking for another business to get into... Uh, I was fortunate enough to learn the power of recurring revenue at Musac, and I wanted to find another industry that had the same business model. So uh, recurring revenue is the name of the game as far as
0: I'm concerned. So for our viewers that might not understand the philosophy of recurring revenue, explain very briefly. You want to get as many people
6: as you can to send you a little check every month. So you count nickels. Absolutely. Excellent. But they do add up. Beautiful.
1: And uh, going off of that, um, considering that you count every nickel and you pinch every penny, tell us: your customers are 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 they excited to be with you? What are what are your challenges that you face
6: with your customers? Well, my ideal customer is somebody that has the need to protect their assets and uh, value protecting their family. Uh, So uh, living here in Palm Beach, we're very, very blessed to have uh, just some of the most affluent people in the world that come here to live at least part-time. So much of my core business in the residential sector, uh, just like uh, Allen's estate, Uh, We protect that estate and, uh, you know, because Alan appreciates uh, being safe and taking care of his family. And so there's many people on the island of Palm Beach, Jupiter Island, etc., that uh, really value uh, their own personal security and they have a lot of assets to protect. And then, of course, there's the businesses that, uh, you know, you want to take care of your employees and keep your business assets safe. So let me ask
0: you the question. When somebody says, so... You're like that major player that advertises all the time everywhere, right? I love that major player. And your response to that is?
6: Keep advertising ADT because <laughs> you create that awareness of how important
0: security is. I just outservice you. <laughs> Great response. I'm glad you mentioned their name because we weren't going to, but yes, it kills me when people come, oh, you're just like that person. Yeah, everything like that, but we charge half as much and we give much better service. So if you want to include us in that realm, then by all means, you should. They do
6: create awareness for the product. They do a hell of a job marketing. I, uh, I admire what they do there. Uh, they just, uh, their business model is acquisitions. They buy up businesses. My business model is to service my clients and keep them safe.
1: And you do that. Looking online, it shows that all of your technicians are NICET certified, which is like the gold standard of yeah. certification.
6: NICET certification is uh, very, very important. And uh, also continuing to be uh, certified by our major manufacturer. We are the Honeywell uh, dealer for the area. So all of our technicians are, uh, are, are
0: certified in all the Honeywell product line as well. Wow. wow. So besides me, tell yeah. me about your worst customer and what have you learned from them? Well, Alan, you're
6: not the worst customer, but you're working on it. <laughs> okay. well, well, that makes me feel so much better, yes. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. No, I, I think the, uh, you know, again, very, very blessed that uh, we have the need for security and the type of businesses and the type of residential customers that, uh, that value it. I mean, I, our, our attrition, unfortunately, is driven by people either passing away or moving. Uh, We don't lose business uh, to the competition. We don't lose business uh, because we uh, now we make mistakes servicing but the difference between us and others is that we will not run from a problem. Okay, We face it head on and we make it right. So so we're very very fortunate that uh, our attrition is low. We don't have bad clients. Uh, there's enough great ones out there like you, Alan. Oh, thank you to uh, to uh, to keep us busy. So, when you started this business, how many years ago? Uh, I became a partner in this business uh, in 2005, 16 years ago. I, uh, you know, you you want to talk about what you learn in business. Uh, I learned that starting a business is a whole lot harder than buying into one or buying one outright and making it better. And so, uh, if anybody's wanting some business advice find a good company buy it and
0: make it great don't try to do it all by yourself okay that is a great bit of advice so when you told your family that you were going from being this probably very successful music sales guy Mm -hmm. to being a partner in a business how crazy did they tell you you were well, they,
6: they, they saw it coming because when we sold the Muzak business, I had to stay on with the new owners for a while. And uh, we just had you know differences of opinion. So uh, I was just looking quite some time to find the right business to either buy or become partners in. I think the bigger move was when I went from working from a Fortune 50 company like FPL, where you had a career path mapped out for you. And uh, my wife was pregnant with our second child. And uh, I resigned to start my own small business from scratch. That was a little bit more dramatic.
0: I'm sure it was. Wow! (laughs) Tell us, what approach have you used to grow your business? How are you marketing? How are you creating the buzz aside from stealing the customers from the people that do it a lot worse than you?
6: Community engagement is really important. Uh, Networking with other small business people that chase the same rabbit as me. Uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of businesses just like we help each other, Alan. Uh, you look for a quality business to represent that you know is gonna be a long-lasting customer. That's the same kind of customer that I look for to protect them. So uh, it's, it's really uh, not a lot of advertising, per se. It's more word of mouth, referrals. Uh, And uh, we have a field sales force that I've got people out on the street knocking on doors. And how was those
1: referrals, especially with all of the fiasco that was happening last year with the epidemic? So with COVID, did you experience any loss of your customers?
6: Uh, You know, it's really surprising. First of all, we were very, very fortunate that we were considered an essential service. So we did not shut down. And uh, yes, there were some uh, residential customers that asked us not to come into their home during the pandemic. Uh, there were some commercial projects that were maybe delayed or postponed but we really didn't lose a whole lot of business.
0: Okay most of us have a mentor somebody that we admire that we followed it could be a direct or an indirect who would you say was your motivation?
6: Irving Pearl. Tell us more. So Irving owned the music franchise in Palm Beach, and he owned Wings 92 radio station. And uh, when uh, I was at FPL, one of my best friends that I met through FPL was a contractor redeveloping a city block in uh, West Palm Beach for Irving Pearl. He was going to move his Musac franchise and radio station there. So uh, they had a bit of trouble in the first phase, and uh, the bank was requiring Irving to have a owner's rep to oversee the project that kind of worked as an intermediary between the bank, the architect, the contractor, and the developer, Irving. And so, uh, I was looking to get out of the corporate world, and that was my opportunity to, uh, sign a contract with Irving to be his owner's rep to get that second phase of the project done. And, uh, It went on from there. Uh, You know, The the construction industry dried up due to the thrifts and SNLs being padlocked in 89, and by 1990, I went to work for Irving running
0: the Muzak franchise. What a great story. Yep. Well, we would like to thank you for being here. Is there any last bit of advice you could give to a person who's just starting out, maybe didn't have the opportunity to buy, but they are going to go out and start? What would you tell them?
6: Have the courage to surround yourself with some people that will give you advice, but then make your own decision as to how you're going to apply that advice and live with your decision. Never look back.
0: Well, I'd like to thank you very much for being here. We appreciate it. You've got a wonderful story. I'd recommend anybody out there that's in the local area that's thinking about security for your home, that you should reach out to Rick. He's a good guy. Thanks, Alan. Thank Thank you both. Thank you so much.
3: Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today.
7: Florida Blue is an
5: independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Your workers' comp specialist. No money down workers' comp. Pay for your coverage as you use it. Non-compliant workers' comp fines from the state of Florida start at $1,000 when you get caught. They will find you. When you have questions and need help, WGP Insurance Services will answer your call. Getting the right coverage can save you thousands of dollars a year. Call 561-953-2007. Carpenter Security Integrators Palm Beach does business as CSI Palm Beach. They were founded in 1992 by Chairman Vance Carpenter, and now they provide easy to use electronic security systems that keep you safe and sound everywhere. They're an authorized Honeywell commercial and home dealer, and their systems include burglar, access control, video surveillance, gate entry, and more. CSI Palm Beach services and maintains the systems they install. And their monitor station has the highest industry rating of five diamonds. Learn more about CSI Palm Beach at CSIPalmBeach.com.
4: If rising taxes against your retirement has been a concern of yours, you're not alone we Landing Financial Group. I urge you to go and download our complimentary guide. Are you paying too much tax in retirement? At planwithlanding.com. Or you can call us at 561-229-0009. That's planwithlanding.com. Landing Financial Group provides insurance services, investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through A Wealth Management, LLC.
0: Good morning, thank you for being here with Secret to My Success on Saturday at the ungodly hour of way too early. Today we have a very special guest. We have a gentleman by the name of Jesse Stolo. Jesse is the business owner of Total Windows and we're gonna hear his story and all the fun that he has working with his father. And with me today we have George, my comic relief backup. George say hello. Hi. Mike, say something. <laughs> I'm going to continue that theme and something. Thank you. There Sorry. Jesse, the floor is yours. Welcome. Is it now? Thank
7: you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to, to digitally hear the zeros and ones <laughs> over my headphones. How are
1: Th- you doing? Thank you for being on, Jesse. We're doing great. We're doing great.
0: So, Jesse, let's talk. You're one of the funniest guys that I know that sells probably one of the most boring things ever known to man called window treatments, but it's beautiful stuff that you do. So tell us a little bit about your business and how you got involved.
7: Well, I, I have to say that first of all, I, uh, it is much, uh, it's much sexier than selling toilet paper, but it's, uh, but it's a very similar type of product in that uh, most of what I do uh, rolls up and down on a tube. Um, <laughs> so our business is, is exactly what you think it is. People love to live in, uh, in nature. But we're fragile delicate creatures and we need to provide shelters for ourselves otherwise we would you know be we would succumb to the elements and get eaten by lions so we invented these things called houses and then we wanted to see the sunshine and see the trees outside so we put these pieces of glass in our homes called windows so we can see outside and be a part of nature except that sometimes we want to walk around naked and our neighbors don't really want to see that or there's other things that we want to do in our house that uh, that maybe we don't want other people to know about. I just finished listening to an audiobook about John Wayne Gacy. Uh, so anyway, what I do is we sell... Jesse, controls. I don't mean we to do cut you off, but how do
1: you know my neighbors don't want home. to see me naked?
7: Shades, blinds, shutters, and draperies throughout the South Florida area and all over the world, as a matter of fact. We work with interior designers and builders, and we figure out what's the best opportunity for, uh, for controlling light in your home through every window in the house.
0: So, so Jesse, I, I think George was trying to cut you off. He, he wanted to know just kind of personally how you knew some information. Explain Yes,
1: it. I wanted to know, Jesse, how, how do you know my neighbors don't want to see me naked?
7: Well, I don't know about your neighbors in particular. Uh, I know my neighbors don't particularly like to see what I It's a very walk
1: uh, liberal neighborhood I live in. It's very uh, yeah. free thinkers. Okay, I'm going to go ahead, <laughs> and I'm going to step in here for just a moment,
5: um, and uh, throw, throw this out to Jesse, because I think this is kind of interesting. My grandmother used to tell me the dictionary definition in the very first Webster's Dictionary she ever had in about 1914. And the definition of a window, I've never forgotten this, was an orifice in an edifice for the purpose of illumination. I've never heard it better said. Was this a
1: poetry dictionary? No, it's
5: just people spoke differently 107 years ago. That is wonderful. But uh, I think it still fits. You mentioned you're in touch with nature, but it keeps you separate, keeps it there, and you can keep those windows safe, Jess. That is pretty thought-provoking,
0: Jess. That is extremely <laughs> thought-provoking. And, Jess, if I was you, I would have told George, I've spoken to your neighbors. They want us to remove all the windows. Ah.
1: <laughs> it's funny you, you mention that up. because I, last time I yeah. had somebody come Aluminum over. Aluminum foil also works, but I don't make <laughs> a lot of money Aluminum filling. Foil. That as also as well.
5: works for George's hat.
1: This is <laughs> true. <laughs> I
0: get good reception when I wear my tinfoil hat. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Jess, <laughs> let's get back to business. Yeah. So the question okay. I have is... This business was actually started by your father, correct? Yes. How many years that's ago? That's
7: a question. I'm fantastic. I'm great. This is perfect. I'm it
0: <laughs> out. How many years um, ago did your dad start this business?
7: He started the business in 1985. I was, uh, I was two years old. He was working for somebody else. He said, ah, I could do this on my own. And so that's exactly what he did. Businesses are structured very different those days. But that's, that's how we got started.
0: So let's hear the challenges met- in working with your father. And let's pretend he's not listening to this show. (laughs) No problem.
7: Um, Well, family businesses can be very tricky Um, when you're dealing with the dynamics of a father-son or a father-daughter or mother-son. That familial relationship, especially when that relationship is towards the top of the management uh, food chain, if you will, when you have other people working for you, you have to make sure that there's an understanding or the buy-in of responsibility that you're not just uh, some schlub that is sitting there and taking advantage of uh, all of dad's hard work. Um, and that was something that I had to learn the hard way when I first started. Um, when I first started, I was, I was the typical lazy jerk that showed up to work. Was tooling around on my computer, and I would go home, and, and that was that was the day. But I realized that um, there was there was really no future in that, and also it's getting pretty boring. So I figured that I probably should learn a thing or two about the family business, and that is when I started to learn a little bit more about management and marketing and all the different facets of structuring a business, rather than just what my dad had started, which is You know, when uh, when my dad started a business like so many people in the 80s, when they started their own business, they just kind of took the working ethics that they had and they just put their own name to it. And there was no structure. There was no plan. There was no strategy as to how you were going to grow the business, how you're going to scale it. All of the work was going through my dad. It was one it was one person managing the phones and going out and measuring and ordering products and then going to do installations. And then from there, he got busy. So what did he do? He hired a guy that took phone calls for him and then would give him the messages so that he could make the calls later on in the day. Um, And really, that's not how you grow and you scale a, a business. And so what I had the opportunity to work with him on is how do we take what we do and create a system where we can bring in other members of the team and empower them to make decisions that would be the same type of decisions that I would make or that my father would make But they're more capable of doing it because they have their own passions and commitments to the business. And so that's really one of the things that I've been so excited about doing. But the challenge in working in a family business is that then there's always that level of informality that creeps back in when you're dealing with uh, a parent or a sibling or somebody else. When you have a smaller business that's 10, 12 people, it's very easy to have that fold back in and it can disrupt the entire mix of what you're trying to build.
1: Absolutely. And one of the key things that you were mentioning was that throughout this whole process, you were constantly learning. And so we have this fun question that we always like to ask our guests here on the show, but what is the worst customer that you have ever had?
0: And what did you worst
7: learn from them? Ex- yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. The worst customer experience we've ever had. I, I will... Uh, There are so many, Um, but I I say that as, as, uh, you know, one of the lessons that I think we had to learn too late actually for a lot of, a lot of times is that it's, it's actually okay to fire a customer. It's actually, it's okay to, to say, you know what, I don't think that we are able to do business with you anymore. And, um, and we, we've had a, we've had a situation, there was, there was a situation once where, um. We we went into this gentleman's house and we designed for him like $50,000 worth of window treatments, a lot of money for window shades. And every room in his house had these different draperies and motors and all of these different units. And he would go in after we would install everything. He would go in that evening and he would sabotage it. He would literally go in and he would take things down and he would move things around and he would like reinstall and he would call us the next day furious at us that we did something wrong and we needed to come in and fix it so we got wise like the third time that we went back to this guy's house and we realized that what was what was happening and we had to you know kind of recommend that he go seek some psychological help or maybe we we told him he needed to go get some other friends, that, you know, we couldn't be his friend if this was how he was going to treat us all the um,
0: time. That sounds like a lot of fun in to, a conversation with a customer. Oh, uh,
7: I mean, you know, we you get in the situation where you have the, the balance that we struggle with. And, and I think a lot of businesses these days are service-oriented business, and they may provide a product, but the product is not the main driver of their economic engine. And so you are constantly up in in the business of developing relationships with people. And so because of that, you always want to be able to say yes. And if somebody says jump, you go how high, but you have to make sure that you're doing that within the parameters of something that your own business and your structure is comfortable doing. Because if you spread yourself too thin in your own business, then you're not able to sustain the relationships that you're building and it can be detrimental to try to over accommodate for some of these customers. And so you have to kind of have the chutzpah, if you will, to just sometimes tell somebody that that's something that you're not willing to do and you have to figure out where your limit is and where you're gonna draw that line.
0: Jess, we're running out of time, but I've got one last question that I'm gonna give you about 33 and a half seconds to give me an answer. (laughs) So yes. I know that you are not a franchise and you are competing with, it seems like everybody in the world who's trying to be a franchise in your business. I see the ads everywhere. I, I get stuff in the mail all the time. How do you compete with those guys that are franchise-owned operations in your arena? We can't.
7: It's not about, we're, we're not about competing. There's enough, there's enough business, there's enough, there's, there's enough windows out there to accommodate other people selling products as well. What we do is we build a relationship and we figure out what's the right solution of natural and artificial light. And we figure out the right products for you using our experience and the different vendor relationships that we have. We do not sell the way that those franchises sell. And so I'm never going to be able to compete with them. There's always somebody going to be somebody less expensive. There's always some, going to be some cousin out there that can do it for you better. And then when you have a problem, uh, they're no longer your cousin. And, uh, and so that's one of the things that we had to learn. And I, I'm, I stick to that all the time.
0: Fantastic. Jesse Stolo, thank you so much for being on our show. What is your website for people to look at information on your company?
7: So you can learn more about us at totalwindow.com. There's no S at the end of window, although you can stick one on there if you are so inclined. But totalwindow.com, you can learn all about me and the story of our company and how we can build relationships together. Thanks, guys.
0: Thank you for being on our show. We appreciate it. You're a great man, Mr. Stolo. Thank you, Jesse. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Very much. You have a great one.
5: sunlight inspires the soul. At Total Window, they believe that all living spaces must have a proper balance of natural and artificial light. Their passion is to identify the best ratio of light control for every room in your project. They further believe that every custom window treatment can enhance the light control and privacy needs of a space in a functional and decorative way. Total Window has been creating these inspired spaces with natural light since 1985, using the latest in shades, blinds, shutters, and draperies. If you're looking to update how you live, Call the team at Total Window, 954-921-0109 or visit TotalWindow.com. WGP Insurance Services. Most people don't know. When your workers' comp coverage is canceled or lapses, your insurance carrier notifies the state of Florida you have no coverage. They make it really easy for the state to find you. The state will find you, too. Please make sure you are covered. Fine Start at $1,000. They have the right to order you to show your bank statements and all related documents. It is cheaper and easier to get the most affordable coverage with no money down. Call 561 nine
3: Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today.
5: Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association.
4: If rising taxes against your retirement has been a concern of yours, you're not alone. We're Landing Financial Group. I urge you to go and download our complimentary guide. Are you paying too much tax in retirement? At planwithlanding.com. Or you can call us at 561-229-0009. That's planwithlanding.com landing financial group provides insurance services, investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through a wealth management, LLC. E dot bit consulting
5: is a full service it staffing firm, which focuses on full-time placements and contract assignments. Their focus is understanding your technology, business, environment, and company culture. E dot bit consulting focuses on project based staff augmentation, contract to hire and permanent placement. E bit consulting founder Erica Biro is an industry expert when it comes to understanding your business and delivering top talent that meets your requirements. Learn more at e-bitconsulting.com.
0: Good morning. This is Alan and George with Secret to My Success. Here at this once again crazy early Saturday morning hour. Ungodly hour. Ungodly hour. And we have a really cool guest. We have Erica Biro. Erica is a former athlete, played tennis, who is now this crazy sales guru. So let's talk to Erica. Hello, Erica.
8: Hey, how are you guys?
0: We're good. How are you?
8: Good, good, good. Um, It's interesting. You call me a a crazy sales guru. Where would you get that from?
0: I've been following you a long time. We've known each other a long time, and you're in this business (laughs) that you have to sell all the time. You have to be at 110% of your game because if you don't finish the sale, it never happens. Uh Uh-huh. You think about it, if you're selling a car, that car never says, hey, I don't really want to go home with them.
1: That would be yeah. very interesting to go to any car dealership if the cars could talk to you. It's like, no, he smells. Well, let's not go there. <laughs> so, Erica, let's talk to you about your tennis
0: career first. Tell us a little about how you got involved in professional tennis.
8: Um. Well, it's funny. Enough. So I um, I grew up playing tennis uh, in uh. Florida, and I was playing, you know, for USTA, uh nationwide, and I actually had to make a decision when I when I was a senior in in high school uh, as to whether I wanted to go on the tour or I wanted to go uh, play for college, right? And um, I, I kind of went the college route because I I was concerned that if I got injured on the tour, I would have I would have wasted a four year scholarship um, to a university where I could still play. So I ended up. Um, Going to Duke on a full ride, uh, and actually our freshman year we came in second place. We were runner up um, for Division One, so it was it was a good run. So it just tells you kind of like how how good the program was. So we were kind of training uh, at a level that a lot of these professional WTA players are at. So it was kind of an easy transition when I, when I graduated college, which I, I was a lot older than most of these players already, right? I'm, you're 21, 22. When you graduate, you've got 15 year olds out there. So it was pretty much an up, uphill battle from the, from the get go, but it was, it was, it was a challenge to say the least. Right. So um, I did that for three years. I was on the WTA tour. Um, and it's funny because the lifestyle of, of a professional tennis player is not as glorious as it looks. I mean, you're, you're, traveling by yourself for 40 weeks out of the year in countries where no one speaks your language you don't know what you're eating because you can't understand what you're ordering on the menus and you know I kept telling myself once I start winning and beating you know really good players and building up my ranking maybe it, it, it the, the lifestyle won't be as crappy or whatever and it was kind of a moment where I was at the precipice of my career it was three years in and, and I was winning and beating all these players, and my ranking was climbing exponentially. And that was the moment. It was an aha moment for me, where I said, "You know what? This is not making me any happier. I can't live this life of solitude any longer." Um, and it's a grind as well. In addition to being lonely and, and solitary, it's you know, it's it, you, you know, you're 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 basically playing to to eat your next meal, right? And pay for your next hotel, and your next flight. So there's there's that pressure in addition to not having anyone or, or you know to talk to about anything right so that's kind of the beginning of the end of my career uh, on the tour but I mean it, it was it was a great learning lesson and it, it kind of gave me the tools to to succeed in the business world uh, and to get me to where I am today in in, in in my new life right
0: how old were you when you made that transition
8: so I was, I was 25 and, and what's funny is my coach and my, and my family and they'd all been on the sidelines watching me and being, Oh my God, she's finally turning a corner. She's finally going to break through, which I really was at that precipice. Like I said, and that's when I realized I, I it, it, this is not making, this is not moving the needle in any direction that, that I want it to go. So they you can, you can imagine how disappointed my fan club was. because so they're like, well, what, what, this makes zero sense to us. Right. But for me, deep down in my heart, you know, if you're not if you're not in it 150% as a professional athlete, you got to get out. You know, 100% mm-hmm. isn't enough. Right? Cuz everyone else is well over the 100% mark. So, if you want to compete with the best, you, you got to really 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 be in it and my heart was not in it anymore. So, that that was that was the right decision for me at the time and I don't regret I, I don't regret it at all, actually. I think it was the best thing I could have done for myself.
0: Erica, you transitioned from being an athlete a whole lot of space and then you transitioned to being your own business owner, alone, making no money, yep. eating food in restaurants from people that you probably still didn't understand what you were saying. <laughs> so let's talk <laughs> about how you transitioned from that point, and then working for a bunch of people, and then finally going back on your own and being that tennis player again. Let's hear it.
8: Well, yeah, that's, that's a really great question. So um, the one thing I knew when I when I retired from the WTA is that I I loved I loved the the challenge, and I, I loved. Uh, I love being told no, right? Cause that, that just gave me more ammo to be like, Oh yeah, I'm, you're going to say yes to me down the road. You don't even know it yet. Right. So I knew I could not do a nine to five clock watching job. But again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's not for me. It doesn't motivate me to get up in the morning. Right. I agree. And nine so, to fives are awful. You know, I, I worked for two really large staffing agencies, uh, one for two years, another for six and a half. And uh, the one, the one commonality that I, that I had was I learned the business inside and out and I knew that my best, uh, talent was, was, you know, uh, breaking into, to new accounts, new territories, which it, it it's the hardest thing to do in sales, right? Cold calling, going up against people that have never heard of you, don't want anything to do with you. That to me is a challenge that, you know, it, it kind of transferred from being a tennis player to, you know, you're, you're, you're losing you know, over 50% of your matches, even if you, even if you have the 50% mark as a WTA tennis player, you're killing it. So imagine being told no 50% of the time in the real world. I'm thinking I got told yes once out of twice. That's amazing. Right. So your mindset is it, you are set up for to just to be resilient. Right. And so that's what I loved about the, 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 the breaking into new territories and, and being a new business development person is that there's that element of competition um, and there's that element of you reap what you sow, right? You, you eat what you kill kind of, and that's the way that I'm wired, and I think a lot of that comes from being a professional tennis player where you know, you can't win every single point, you can't win every single match, so you, you're so used to picking yourself up and moving on and taking away what didn't work and trying to figure out and applying what does work in, in, in the next rendition or the next go-around, right? So that, that taught me so much about... You know the real world is okay most people don't experience the amount of rejection and defeat on an, a minute to minute basis right which is what my, my my prior life was on the tennis court so you know getting into this type of uh, environment was easy for me and it was exciting and, it, and there was still that element of challenge and competition which i never really wanted to eradicate from my life and this type of world that i that i found for myself made sense right and so after almost eight years of working for two very large, large companies, I started realizing, you know, they're I'm breaking into all these new accounts. I'm, I'm bringing millions of dollars to the table, and they're paying me pennies on the dollar, and all all they were giving me was a cell phone and a laptop, right? So I'm thinking that's a very expensive cell phone and laptop <laughs> in, 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 in essence, right? So, so yeah, I mean, I I, to, I took the plunge. I was 33 years old and I I, I, you know I wasn't married I didn't have a mortgage I had no overhead I wasn't in debt and I thought you know what like it's now or never right so I basically started my company that I that I currently own now it'll be what over eight years ago in my living room like most entrepreneurs do and for two years I didn't take a salary I was using all my savings funny because there's a 7-Eleven in my building where I live here in Chicago and I I used to eat I used to eat their $5 pizza every day, right? Because it's like a large pizza for 5 bucks. you can't beat that.
1: 7-Eleven so, pizza is really good, though. I
8: really did that for, for a, a very long time until uh, I finally hit my stride. I went through, you know, two different business partners and had to buy them out and had to figure it out and just kind of work my way through all the problems and then figure stuff out, you know?
0: Erica, one of our guests told us that partners are for dancing. We thought that was pretty interesting.
8: Uh, well, it's funny. Um, My, my first two partners... We're there for dancing for sure, Um, but the partner that I have now—I've actually known him for fifteen years, and it wasn't the right time for him to come on board when I started. Uh, but uh, over the past five and a half years, he's been working in, in corporate. So he came over two and a half years ago. And the, the wealth of knowledge that he's brought uh, brought over is is it, it's, it's it's you know unbelievable, and, and that's stuff that I actually because I've been out of the game from a corporate standpoint for over eight years. So everything that I know now is all all self-taught, right? So I'm learning a lot, but it's kind of like getting a street MBA whereas he pretty much brought in like a real MBA. So now we're combining forces, and and that's kind of when we really hit our stride, and that's when our trajectory kind of skyrocketed.
0: Erica, we're running out of time. Tell us the name of your business. It's
8: called EBIT Consulting.
0: And what's your website if people want to look at it?
8: Yeah, it's www. uh, e-bitconsulting.com, so e-bitconsulting.com.
0: So there's a lot of competition in your industry. I used to be in that industry. I'm sure you know everybody is out there. A lot of companies do a lot of advertising promotions. How do you separate yourself from everyone else?
8: Uh, because we're more we're more niche and we're more boutique. We're smaller, right? So there's more personal touch there. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say, it just just to show to get credit to what I'm saying, during the pandemic we had our best year ever. Why? Because I was personally reaching out to every single client, checking in. I wasn't asking for the business because our overhead is not as big as a lot of our competitors. So we can be a little more uh, agile, be, be a little more malleable, and just be a little more personal, right? As opposed to just making sure you're hitting the bottom line with every call, every email you make. That's not our mindset. Our mindset is partnering and, and, and be, being mutually beneficial to each other, right? So
1: and that's, that's what I think Separator does. And that's wonderful to hear. Well, Erica, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. Uh, I feel we got a lot of information out towards the listeners as well, and we had such a great time talking to you.
0: Erica, thank you so much. We appreciate you being on here at some point. I still need some tennis pointers. I had a big match last night. I won, but still. I need some help. So after the show, I'd love to talk to you more about trying to figure out my serve. Thank you so much, Erica. We appreciate All right, it. Thank you, everyone.
5: Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3. Tune in next week for more from Alan, George Lewis, and their spectacular guests. Find the
7: secret to your success.